Does Prince Harry see his mother Diana in Meghan Markle, I wonder? Um, interesting question. Uh, Diana ISTP, Meghan ESTP, pragmatic, freedom-loving, freedom-needing Templars. Uh, yeah, I wonder. Um, uh, welcome, everyone, to this CSJ podcast. I'm your host, Jay. And uh, we're going to be talking about the royal family, but not that royal family. Uh, we're going to be talking about something uh, a little bit different. But I want to set this up. Um, first, by uh, reading a quote from uh, Martin Luther King, who uh, was an ENFJ. And he said, true compassion is more than flinging a coin to a beggar. It comes to see that an edifice that produces beggars needs restructuring. So his point is, <clears throat> if we have beggars, there's a problem with the, uh, with the uh, whatever it is um, in society that creates them, the, the edifice. And... Uh, and the edifice is the problem, so we got to fix it. The question is, what is the edifice? And uh, what if the edifice is just human nature? And uh, if it is, can it be corrected? You know, it requires the uh, right identify. You know, any effective solution to a problem requires the right identification of the problem in the first place. Um, <clears throat> kind of counter to that, um, you know, because it sounds like Martin Luther King envisioned a system where, or a, a society where at least, uh, there were no beggars or that's the ideal. <clears throat> but, uh, in Matthew 26, uh, King James version of the Bible, uh, maybe we get another indication because in that we uh, we see where Jesus and his disciples were gathered together in a room and uh, talking and a woman comes in she brings in uh, a very expensive jar of ointment or oil and she proceeds to walk over to Jesus and uh, anoint him with this oil and the disciples begin to question him and say, you know, should we not uh, sell this oil, this ointment, uh, in order that we can have money to feed the poor? And Jesus' response was that the poor will always be with us and that he, he himself would not be. And so he allowed her to continue. <clears throat> and... Uh, And this is when Judas Iscariot began his betrayal. This is the event that started that betrayal. And it makes you wonder why it was. Why did, uh, what prompted, what motivated Judas to do this? Was it that, did he see in Jesus hypocrisy that he couldn't withstand? Was it because of uh, a woman entering their midst? 
was it because this was a continuation of Jesus associating with sinners and other, um, let's say, uh, uh, rejects from society? That's a little harsh, but you get the point. Uh, outcast, probably a better word. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, we're going to have a train here. There was a lot of them today. Um, or maybe it was that Judas' own ideal was one that, uh, yeah, there's a way to eliminate poverty. There's a way to eliminate homelessness. There's a way to eliminate or uh, change, well, eliminate outcasts, basically. Maybe that's the reason. Well, hey, how are you doing, bud? Say what now? Yeah, I, I, I got something for you. Yeah, here you go. Thank you very much. You all right? Yes, sir. Okay, man. Well, uh, that was completely unplanned, but it was uh, right on time uh, for the point that I was trying to make. You know, this area right here is uh, next to the railroad tracks. You can see the graffiti uh, on the viaduct here. This is 24th Street Viaduct that I'm under. And uh, a lot of transients, a lot of homeless, drug addicts, um, the outcasts of society. Um, and... Uh, Many of them camp here overnight. I've seen them in my uh, in the in the dumpster near my uh, at my at my condo um, in the dumpster, um, searching for food, searching for anything they can sell to buy drugs. It's uh, <clears throat> sometimes it's a little rough. Um, Try to stay on topic here a little bit. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting area that that is under development, and but but the people who frequent through here, um, all this development, there are no homes here for them. There are no restaurants for them. There's not going to be any any facilities here to help them. They'll move on. They'll move on to the. Uh, 26th Street Viaduct, maybe. Um, they'll move on. And uh, so that's why I chose this backdrop. Uh, this is where the outcasts of society live. And so talking about the royal family, yes, the royal family. The royal family is a uh, novel by William Volman. He wrote it in uh, 2000, published by Penguin Books. A friend of mine, very talented, creative, uh, ESFP, recommended it to me a few years ago. And uh, I read it. it. It's a difficult read. Uh, the uh, It's all about... Uh, the main character's name is Hank or Henry Tyler, and uh, he's a private investigator. His brother is a uh, 
criminal attorney. Both of them uh, very well off financially and uh, and living in a, in a corporate world. But Henry or Hank, Tyler, he goes by all three names in the book. <clears throat> He's in love with his brother's sister, Irene. And Irene commits suicide. And it sends Henry into a depression and a soul searching. But his soul searching um, is one that uh, maybe some, some of us have, have experienced, maybe others have not. He finds his path in soul searching into the, uh, the underworld of San Francisco, prostitutes, drug addiction, um, depravity, um, all manner of those things. And, uh, and the story basically is, is his journey into that world and understanding it, learning it, understanding the social dynamics, the hierarchy uh, that exists within it, how people interact with each other, because there is very much a social structure among homeless people, among transients. Um, and for him, it becomes normal. Um, so the royal family represents this woman who is the uh, the queen of this clan of prostitutes and it's his um, his befriending of those and becoming part of that clan the book is a social commentary really about well it's a tribute to addiction frankly it, but he makes the point that when we think of addiction we think of uh, drugs or alcohol or those kinds of things, right? Vices. He's making the point, though, that really, <clears throat> what is addiction? <clears throat> Some of us are addicted to money. Some of us are addicted to uh, reputation. Um, we're addicted to uh, those kinds of things, which are much more accepted. He makes the point that <clears throat> we all sell ourselves. What's the difference with a prostitute who sells her body in a transaction to someone else or his body, right? Not just women, not by any stretch. Individuals who sell their bodies, uh, what is essentially amounts to a business transaction. And uh, how's that any different from uh, one of us selling our, uh, you know, selling ourselves to the corporate world, uh, you know, offering our services to an employer and getting paid in return.
that's the point he's making. And I think uh, that really gets to the point that I'm trying to make with all this. That is, FE users, and maybe INFJs are the, are the best example because they're most susceptible to it. You know, they mirror the, uh, the morals of those around them. They moral the, the, uh, those they associate with. Morals are, uh, well, as William Volman claims, states, you know, evil is uh, subjective. Illegality is not. Laws are made, but laws are made based on, to a large extent, morals. So at their heart, they're still subjective. But let's, again, let's take the INFJ. They associate themselves with the wrong people. They may do it out of loneliness, uh, desperation, where they'll sacrifice um, their own integrity for corruption. And that corruption becomes the norm. The corruption becomes acceptable because that's who they associate with. Yeah, it's an abyss. I've looked down at that abyss. I've seen it more than once, actually. And, uh, you know, a lot of times uh, can't extricate themselves from it. <clears throat> I mean, if you, if you think about it, though, are we able to extricate ourselves from, uh, from these other addictions that we uh, consider acceptable? Or these other uh, prostitutions of ourselves that we consider acceptable? Oh, it's a tough question. Like I said, asking more questions than I have answers to. But I'm reminded of uh, Chase's lecture, Virtue and Vice, uh, for all the types, season seven on YouTube particularly for the INFJ, episode 12. And his point is, get the losers out of your life. This is, you know, let's face it, INFJs struggle with this. I mean, this is what makes them, in some ways, in my mind, makes them good counselors, makes them good uh, um, uh, ministers, because INFJs have the ability to, um, in some cases, relate to uh, the, the outcasts among us, but they run the risk of getting sucked into it. Boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. That's what they've got to have. But in order for, uh, so yeah, Chase says, get the losers out of your life. That's his admonition to INFJs. It's the, uh, it's probably the lecture among all his, of his others that was most meaningful to me. Uh, what hit me uh, very hard, right in the heart, and uh, something I needed to uh, not just think about, but deal with. But it's more than, there's more to it than just getting them out of your life. Number one, 
and we referred to this uh, earlier, is identifying the problem. So uh, you've got to identify the problem before you can have an effective solution, and you've got to be honest with what that problem is. I mean, in society, in in our everyday lives, you know, we try to address the problems of society, but so many of these problems, people refuse to identify what the real problem is out of fear of offending someone or uh, or whatnot, or maybe it's not politically correct. And so we, we, we pretend like we're trying to address it, but we're really not. And we'll tell ourselves that we are, and we'll pat ourselves on the back that we are, but we're really not because we don't identify the actual problem in its truth. So for an INFJ, or for anyone, yeah, I don't like calling people losers. The gentleman that came by here on his bike a minute ago, I don't, I don't call him a loser. But in order to, uh, in order to get someone out of your life, you have to recognize that they're a problem. So. A loser is a negative term if you have to identify it as negative for your own well-being. So yeah, call them a loser. I hate I hate the labels, but call them a loser. You have to recognize the the um, um, bad influence that they're having on your life, and it's so that's step one. Step two is then bringing in winners. Again, another label. Um, and what is a winner? Well, it's someone that who can uh, um, help you grow, help you find that integrity that that is within you, and uh, and be healthy, so that then in turn you can actually give to others, minister to others. You have to be healthy yourself if you're going to be able to do that, if you want to do that. <clears throat> yeah, so get the losers out of your life. That's what you got to do, but you have to identify them as losers and you have to find people who can replace them. In other words, find some winners. If you don't find the winners, the losers will find their way back in your life. They will. You'll allow them. Because the uh, loneliness, the, uh, the, uh, the sense of I'm not good enough, you know, that just that FI critic, it's, it's like a, it's like a uh, red carpet to the losers if you haven't um, replaced them with people who can sustain you positively. So yeah, before this train uh, arrives, this next train, check out our website, csjoseph.life. Coaching, you might need a listening ear for some of this if you're going through it yourself. So coaching, discover, a lot of things. Bye everybody.